our goal is to have that break even within the first 12 months after your first sale. And that's generally the time frame. On that, dependent upon the working capital that the client can deploy, it could be less or more if they must have more time if they have less or more money to deploy. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Most sellers don't know. Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your free instant analysis. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 448. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, subset of the amazing FBA family of podcasts. Today, we are talking with Will Buster from um, AscendCapVentures.com. And AscendCapVentures basically start businesses on behalf of people who have the money, but not the time or skill sets to start a business on Amazon. Now, What's interesting about that is that they deal with the sourcing side as well. So Will really has a great overview of what it takes to start an e-commerce business on Amazon in 2023 and beyond. So we talk about the factors that it takes, the third parties you're going to need, and above all, if you're going to get somebody to build a business for you, um, what they call an Amazon automation business in the US, um, then what questions should you be asking if you are considering handing your money over to somebody who's offering to build you a business? It's actually more common then you might think I've been offered a similar deal myself in the past. Um, so worth thinking through. And this is the sort of thing that is worth considering. Even if you have no intention of being a person handing money over to somebody else to build a business, there may be that somebody else will approach you and invest in your skill and skill set and knowledge and connections and uh, your ability to sell on Amazon, in which case you're going to be on the same, on the opposite side of the same kind of coin. So it's still relevant to you. So I think this applies to a lot more people than it might initially appear. So enjoy the show. And uh, if you want to take notes, as ever, go to 10kcollective.com where we will give you detailed show notes. Enjoy the show. So let's talk about going back to your core customers of, of people who want to start an e-commerce business and they hand it over to you. But let's let's talk from the perspective of people who might be considering working with somebody like you. In other words, somebody's going to build their venture for them. But whether they're doing that or they are doing it for themselves, let's take a, the most simplistic newbie kind of question, but this is also true for sophisticated business owners. What does it really take to start a defensible, profitable e-commerce business these days, particularly with an Amazon focus since us, I guess we're both focused. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you're saying that's outside of working with us. Yeah. Let's say outside yeah. of working with you, because we'll, we'll tell people, give people a chance to hear what you do, uh, specific things you want. It offer, takes, but, you know. yeah. I mean, it, it takes, it takes time. It takes, it takes money. It takes a lot of patience, the acceptance of failure, acceptance of you spending money and feeling like it's going to waste because you didn't make money off it. But all of that, the learning, you know, part of the learning process. If you're doing this all by yourself, you need a 3PL partner for scalability, which I still am not really that big on because they're hard to find good ones that don't slice into your margin and charge an insane amount per package, which makes you pretty much not profitable. So if not, you could start with selling out of your garage and, and prepping it out of your garage. Or if you have the right supplier that will pre-prep it for Amazon FBA, which is great. 
you can do that as well. But a lot of those those kind of suppliers require more capital for purchase and higher MOQs if they're going to prep it for Amazon FBA facilities. And and you also need the education surrounding it, right? There's plenty of of educational materials out there with a lot of different people that have different opinions on how to source for Amazon. So you need to be smart about where you're getting information from and make sure that you're you're listening to multiple different opinions on stuff because everyone thinks that they're, they have the best way of doing it. <laughs> You know what I mean? And and so it's it's important to make sure that that's that, that you keep your head on with that. And I think, yeah, at the end of the day, you're gonna need more than one person eventually too. This is for scaling, right? Starting is different. You're right. Starting is everything I just mentioned. It's capital, it's patience, it's the acceptance of initial failure, and it's being able to pretty much bring in the right third parties when you can, software, et cetera, having capital for all of that. And that's how you can get started. And then education. That's the easiest way to sort of sum it up in a general matter. There's obviously a lot more layers to it than that, but that could take a whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's what we're, we're sort of trying to do for the next so 20 minutes, roughly. Is, but I mean, another way of putting it, I guess uh, you're more of an expert in this, is to, to say, if you're trying to get somebody else to do it, how would you vet that person as a valid place to put your capital? And That's huge. Pay? That's huge. Yeah. I mean... We have, there's a lot of other organizations that do what we do. And I, this is me trying not to be biased. We literally are the best in the industry because when we started this company, we started it because we saw a model that was broken. We saw, hey, there is a done for you model out there by companies doing this for investors that are looking to tap into Amazon or, or expand their Amazon business. This is great. It's performance based. Look at this, but we had a market test and invested in three different organizations and it just unraveled all the inefficiencies. And so we came out to legitimize the initiative which is called the Amazon automation industry in the US. Essentially, it's us sort of automating the processes and, and managing it for, for clients. And the way to, the way to vet it out is really asking, asking the right questions. I mean, we have international clients. We have clients from the UK. We have clients from Canada, South America who invest in US businesses with us as well. And, you know, ultimately, this is not an offer you really see too often. In those countries, you don't see them in those countries. I mean, potentially, I know there's a company in Germany that does what we do. But that being said, it has to do with, you know, being competitive is how is this company built? Are they just a management company that has third parties just piecemeal together and they're charging a premium fee for that? Because that's what most of these companies are. There's, they're, they have hollow infrastructure. Do so you have to, you have to lift up, lift up the hood, look under and see what, what the company, how it's built. Uh, we're built as a logistics company, right? So we have our own facilities. We have our own warehouse employees. We are our own logistics company, which is really, really good for quality control. We're not relying on a third party to check products, to push them out, to fulfill them. If we do FBM, to send them out to FBA and make sure that they're packaged properly and it's done in time. Cause as we know, time is money. Right. And, and then also historically, you know, who, who is the leadership and how many clients they have and how many success stories do they have? But asking the right questions is very, very important. It's about, I think the biggest risk here is companies that do. That are essentially they have a face in the company and then they literally everything underneath them is third party involvement and they're not their own actual fix and or they don't really have infrastructure. I think infrastructure is number one when it comes down to partnering with the company long term that could do this Amazon model for you. And then after that, obviously, how are they sourcing their products and what are their business models that are associated? That's that's just right up there with that, right? Do they do do they do Amazon FBA, but how are they doing that? Is it general wholesale? You talked about it a little bit earlier. Anyone could really do wholesale. They're going to be competitive wholesale because wholesaling is extremely competitive and it's hard to get into wholesale and actually have decent margins, especially if you don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to pump into it initially, right? So where are their actual contacts? 
what kind of wholesaling are they doing? Do they have direct manufacturer deals or are they just going to the wholesaler that provides the same product for everyone where their clients are cannibalizing off each other? That's another thing too, right? What are their business models behind it? That's, that's a very, do they do private label? I mean, we look at our, we look at our businesses as when we build it out for someone, yes, we want them. We're, we've pioneered turning Amazon investing into a sustainable asset. And in doing so, why we're doing it that way and why we look at it that way is because we're taking wholesale, which is going to be your quickest revenue generator, right? But we also incorporate private label. So we build out a business that has looked at it in terms of appreciation, it will optimize. It's got optimal appreciation over like a two, three, four year period, where if you did want to exit, you know, we know those businesses that exit are generally private label businesses that exit, with, you know, seven figure exits. But at the same time, there is a lot of value in in selling a business that's got management services attached to it like us. And then on top of that, wholesale and having direct to manufacture licensed products on the wholesale side, that's got its own value too. So we built this in, in to ensure that the client can generate passive income, keep it hands off. But at the same time, if they ever wanted to exit, they know that the models that are attached to it are optimal for, for the largest exit, right? And the last thing I'll touch on too is the software. What is their software stack? What are they using? Inventory management software. That's huge, right? We use Zenventory and that's a big one. It gives a client access portal, which is, which is great for our facility to see this essentially where your products are going. Their analytics tool. What's tracking that profit analytics? Like what are they, what are they leveraging for that? Um, what kind of accounting do they have? How big is the team that's going to be on your specific account? I mean, the list goes on, but I think that's a good five minute wrap up of, of essentially what you're looking for. And it's pretty extensive, but it's important because when you get an, when you get a partner in this space, it's not cheap. Right. And so you need to make sure that you're making, you're vetting them out properly. And one thing I'll touch on and I'll let you go. I'm sorry. I just come into mind right now is, is also the security of the investment. What do they guarantee anything? I mean, we actually guarantee the upfront. So if someone pays 25 grand, that's contractually guaranteed that you'll make that back at minimum or we'll pay you the difference. The same thing with the inventory on 90 days. We are confident we can actually do that simply because of the data and what we've done historically. And so we're willing to take that risk to secure this as an investment for people that would be weary because it's an alternative investment. It's not your traditional stocks or real estate. So, yeah, those are great, great questions. I think that's a really good sense to ask about your own business. Actually, you know, because yeah. if your own business hasn't got competitive sourcing, isn't optimized for appreciation, doesn't have any private label and thus sellable component to it, you've got a terrible software stack and you aren't guaranteeing anything to any of your investors who, you know, if you, if you're growing beyond a certain amount, you've probably got family money yeah. in there, which is really horrendous to get wrong, as we all know from experience, yeah. right? But yeah. yeah, those are good yeah. questions, but they were also very good questions, of course, to ask anyone if you're even considering hiring a, you know, company, totally. like, what do you call it? An Amazon automation business. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on one, one or two things that came up when you, when you mentioned. About so the obvious thing is, is what are the sort of outcomes that people who work with you or indeed any other Amazon automation business? What are they looking for the clients? So they, are they generally looking for a sale or what is their sort of outcome? Yeah. The first sale is the most exciting when you're new to this, right? So they're looking for that first sale to kick in, which generally happens within three months of launching that. And then I after wonder, that. Yeah. yeah. But sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I mean, that's great to hear. I mean, three months is a pretty quick, quick turnaround, but. I was thinking, what, what's that bigger picture outcome? Are, are they trying to create yeah. a business to sell in most cases, or are they just looking for it's a, a mix? It's a mix. Yeah, a lot of them are looking at just another stuff to, to supplement their their current income, so they're financially comfortable. They're busy professionals. They just want to essentially have another asset in their portfolio that can generate consistent returns for them. 
And and number one goal for us is to is to have her break even on their investment with us as fast as possible. And then it's all profit from there for them, right? So if you invest 50K with us, our goal is to have that break even within the first 12 months after your first sale. And that's generally the time frame. On that, dependent upon the working capital that the client can deploy, it could be less or more if they must more time if they have less or more money to deploy. But the real goal, uh, clients that buy portfolios and that are serious investors, maybe have done Amazon in the past or whatever, and they're really just trying to diversify out of you know the stock market, which is volatile right now, which is totally a thing that's very, very common. A lot of our investors right now are, are savvy investors that are just, they just want a diversification and they know that the asset class of Amazon is monumental growth. They just don't have time, right? So for them, they buy portfolios of businesses. They'll buy three to five Amazon businesses from us. And their goal is to, you know, essentially have us grow all of them. And they're all going to have different growth trajectories, but it gives them the flexibility to sell one in three years, maybe sell two and still keep the other for passive income flow. And so there's, there's a lot of different mindsets around it, but, but most people, they're, they want to keep one for passive income with the option of exiting eventually, because we like to call it digital real estate because it is, you know, e-commerce is e-commerce transactions, transactions or retail in general, e-commerce is only 20 to 22% of that right now. That's a rough number, but that's the last time I looked at it, right? It's projected to grow to 95% by 2040, according to NASDAQ. That just shows how much growth. That's not all Amazon, obviously. Amazon's like 40% or whatever online, but ultimately it just shows that you're getting a piece of digital real estate and that business will appreciate in value over time. And so it's, it's a good place to park your money, knowing that it's growing in that, especially if you have a partner in the space that can grow it for you. People want the money to work for them essentially and not sit during inflation. <laughs> If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 448. Yeah, so it's an interesting sort of outside perspective on e-commerce, isn't it? Because when you're working in it, you, you kind of compare it with itself, you know, what it was last year or everything yeah. to 2021. And says, my profit's down. I'm like, yeah, that's because it was the most ridiculous year in e-commerce ever. So, but yeah, it's a bubble. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a bubble. But on the other hand, you look at real estate or, you know, especially stock market in America. I mean, in the U- UK has lagged so much that actually it's not so much come down as it hasn't really grown that much. And also, we've got a lot of energy companies here. So it's weirdly mining and energy focused. So actually, when there's it. inflation, it's quite good for them. But yeah, I mean, it's in other words, if you look around at the alternative places to put your money, though, it still looks pretty healthy. And, and we can forget yeah. that. I think we, we're busy moaning because we're comparing it to the, 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 the amazing days of the lockdown. Yeah. The other <laughs> question I was going to ask you was really just about, you were talking about licensed businesses. So tell me a little bit, I mean, without getting into the weeds in this, but tell me a bit about tying up the relationship with the manufacturer. And I suppose that links yeah. also into a question, which is, is a wholesale sourcing business actually a sellable entity? So the two different questions, but I suspect that. Yeah, I think a general, I mean, a general wholesale business, yeah, it's sell. I mean, any Amazon business that has one sale in it that's matured, you can sell it. There's a huge market for that. I mean, you could you could have one sale today, not touch the business at all, and then in, in 12 months sell it for two to three grand just because it matured and it's a different calendar year business. There's a massive market for that, which is a whole other conversation to have, which is interesting, right? But a business that's got revenue, reviews, et cetera, that's the next tier, regardless of how it's sold, the history of the business, essentially the age, et cetera. And then if it's actively selling and generating revenue, that's where you go into what is the model behind it? General wholesale, you know, yeah, it's worth money, but it's not, it's not optimal unless the licensing aspect comes into place and you have exclusivity on products. 
right? And you have direct manufacturer contacts under, under that business that are sold with it. That's a whole different ballgame. We, for example, we have, I can talk about this a little bit in terms of the toy industry. We know it's a multi-billion dollar toy industry out there. And we just recently sourced a lot of relationships. Essentially, it's, it's, it's one relationship that has opened the doors to these massive, massive toy companies of which come out with different lines each year. Historical to, I mean, like, I'm not sure if you have this in the UK, but like Play-Doh, Hot Wheels, you know, like US toy, yeah, that kind of stuff, right? Those kind of brands, they've been around for years, but they come out with different versions each year, right? And so what we have the capability to do for some of our clients who pay for this aspect of the business, which is a unique por- portion, is they can get in on this and be a lic- a, ex- an exclusive licensed distributor of a specific product line where they're actually the only ones on Amazon able to sell it. Maybe two more. That's it. That's where licensing is really, really important. Because anyone else who tries to sell it, they get pulled down in two seconds, right? But directly from the actual manufacturer or licensing, you know, under five people that I can actually sell on some of these brands in the beginning stages for the first year. And so that's really big. And then also like, even if you have 30 people, 30 different sellers that are licensed to sell something, at the end of the day, if it's high volume enough product, that won't matter. It'll still sell through your inventory extremely fast. Kellogg cereal or something like that. Like there's, there's products that are selling thousands, tens of thousands of units, right? Every day or two, right? And if you have only a few, if you have 30 sellers on that, all competitively priced, organically, you're still going to just do well, right? There's that factor to play into it, but it's still pretty exclusive, even though there's a little bit less in there, right? And so there's a lot of different ways you can look at licensing, but when you sell your business, depending upon how you're selling it, if you're selling the management services with it, that's a different add-on that could have value or not have value. Are there unrestricted brands, right? So unrestricted categories and or brands that a lot of it has to do with the licensing aspect. So specific brand, are you, are you licensed to be able to sell this brand that has its own monetary value that can add to the value of the business when you try to sell it? And so there's wholesale and there's wholesale direct that's direct from manufacturer, which always includes some kind of license involved with it, which obviously it, it kicks the value and numerical value up a lot more when you have that in place. Okay, excellent. So I guess to summarize, there's a few different things that will affect the sellability or the, or the valuable, the value of a, a wholesale type business. So the licensing agreements are really, really critical. And I, I've got a, yep. one of my, thank you, collective mastermind clients. It's just on the side, just, it's even side hustle for him, which just blows my mind. He's yeah. got a nice six figure salary. He doesn't want to give up. And so he's yeah. got a side hustle that does seven figures a year. And quite a bit of it is licensing deeds that he's somehow got with some really big names that I won't name on the show because I have the rights to yeah. use them. But you know, kind of blows my mind. So these, these things can be done and somehow he's managed to do it on his own. I, I can only imagine that that's pretty difficult. I don't know anyone else who's done that without help. So I'd imagine it's, that having those relationships is much. It's huge. It's huge. And we don't just give it to every client. Obviously, this is not yeah, something we're public, publicly marketing. But yeah. when we have clients that we know are, are, you know, they, have, they might have deeper pockets or they're really looking to, to have a, to be very complex, sophisticated investment. They're ready to, to deploy a lot of money and or they're just, really excited about it. We know who those are and they inquire about unique things. We tend to bring these options up, but yeah, it's, you know, out of the six, 700 clients we have, I'd say like right now we've got about 10 that are associated with stuff like this, 10 to 15. Yeah. And we have a growing number. Obviously we have more capability or not just, it's more of they inquire then we can bring them down that route or if we know that they're, they would be a good fit for something like this. So. Right. Well, look, this is all very exciting stuff. And thank you for your insights into lots of things today. Cool. So sourcing above all, I think is for, for me, some, some really revelatory ideas. And then 
also talking about capital and, and how you approach things and the questions to ask. We also give you a chance to just remind us what you do over at Ascend Cap Ventures. What are you yeah. doing? Just give us a quick summary. Absolutely. Yeah. So essentially what we do is we're an Amazon management logistics, management and a logistics company. So what we do is we build Amazon FBA businesses for investors, people simply who are trying to tap into the Amazon market and don't have time. We operate the entire thing from sourcing to managing the business. Also clients that already have an Amazon business are looking to take time off their shoulders and have someone scale it even further. We do that as well. We do that and our business model is based around a profit split. So we're incentivized to grow the business because the more revenue we generate, the more money everyone makes. And we, we take on international clients and we also are testing in markets right now to sell actually in the UK, Germany, Mexico and Canada at the moment. So we want to make sure that down the line as Amazon expands globally, we're also making sure we're casting a wide net on the consumer market as well. And we do private label and wholesale. Right. That's good to know. And just so in the moment you take on international clients, i.e. outside the US as well. And, but you're really focused at the moment on Amazon US. Is that right? But it, despite. Yeah, we have exactly 99% of our businesses are US based. Um, but our investors that are, that we do have from the UK, Canada and Chile, they essentially, what we do is we have, we internally can get them everything from US business credit to US banking for they can, so they can invest in a US business. And we operate them an Amazon.com business. In the consumer market in the US, doesn't matter where in the world they're from. We have a partner that works with us on that. And we can get anyone from anywhere involved in the in the US business with the US entity. It's a it's a process that's a little bit different, but it's unique because we're we're here to make sure that there's access to be able to invest in these kind of businesses for everyone, regardless of where you're located. So fantastic. Yeah. And I would say to anyone based in the UK who's obsessed with selling in the UK, why <laughs> if you're sourcing products from China or for that matter from you know, Vietnam or wherever it may be, it's going to travel the same distance. So why not sell in the US? It's the biggest consumer market in the world, guys. It's weird how it takes persuasion to do that. The other thing I would yeah. say is if you're based in the UK particularly, but anywhere in the world, why not sell to Germans? That's the second biggest Amazon market. And weirdly, yeah. people have barriers in their head because it's different language. But yeah, I, I absolutely would would back you on saying to any UK-based person who is a right sort of fit that you should consider the US if you're not doing it already. It, totally. It's weird. It's just a mental leap of some It is. It's a mental block of some sort. To yeah. Absolutely. And that's why it's funny because we're the only organization that provides us as a service and actually even talking about selling outside of the US too. That, yeah. Like the flip, flip this tip because we are in the US, but my point is like, you can't forget about the UK market and German markets. Yeah. There's some monumental growth there. So it's like, why would you forget about that? Like, it, it's something that we are exploring. It's not our focus directly, but yeah. it's definitely there. So absolutely. Well, look, so if people want to explore working with you or learn from you. Where do they go for more info? Yeah. Our website is www.ascendcapventures.com. That's A S C E N D C A P ventures, V E N T U R E S dot com. Our YouTube is Ascend Cap Ventures. And then our, our Instagram is Ascend, A-S-C-E-N-D underscore B-V. You can book a call on either the Instagram or, or a website. Yeah. And, and our, our team would love to take a call and just learn about your background and see if there, there may be a fit to continue the conversation. Right. Last question simply, is there any other question that I haven't asked you, Will, that you feel I should have? No, this has been a very unique interview. I, I, a podcast in general. I, I, I love it. This going into the national market thing is something I love. That's, <laughs> I always pretty much steer the host into that direction if I can. So thanks for the questions. It's been super insightful and like, it keeps the, the wheels churning. But no, I think that's, I think you nailed it all in the head right there. Great. Fantastic. Well, look, Will, thank you very much. So Will from Ascend Cap Ventures, very interesting whistle-stop talk of, of various different exciting topics. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. 
If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 448. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.